Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Deborah Driggs. Deb, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who might not know anything about you, uh, this is the time where I like to give people a chance to pump themselves up and inflate themselves. So if we're talking about failure and you're kind of feeling low later, maybe we have given you enough of a shameless brag up front uh, to offset it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you want me to brag about you want me to brag about myself? Whatever the most braggadocious thing you can say. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm much better at dark failure stuff. So <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. But you've been in Playboy, correct? Yes, yes, yes. April 1990 yes. is probably a year that sticks out in your mind more than most months, I guess. Yeah, you know, I I was this I was the centerfold for March 90 and on the cover of April 90. Oh, March 90. Well, OK, so two. you went two magazines then? Two issues back to back. Oh, yeah. You you didn't do your homework. Come on. Well, I thought it'd be weirder if I bought yours. Come on. OK, you've already, you know, the failing thing. <laughs> I'm good at the failing thing. At least I know who you are. Sometimes I think I'm, I'm going to be a guest and then I'm a host all of a sudden. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be weirder if I got your issues. So I got June 1967. OK, well, that works. And then it was. 85 pages. I feel really ancient now. (laughs) (laughs) 85 pages till there's any nudity in that one, which I thought was interesting. Whereas it's definitely changed over the years. Um, And there's really cool. There's some really cool ads in it and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, So March and April. And yes, I've done no research because you know what? My listener doesn't know anything. I shouldn't know anything either because that's how it is. That's the laziest way I can uh, justify it. <laughs> so you were uh, so you were the cover, you said uh, on in April and then you were uh, just what one of the bunnies in the I don't know the the levels the hierarchy. There is no levels and there's no hierarchy. Well, so centerfold was, is the best. Well, I was a centerfold in March 90 and then I was on the cover of April 90. Oh, covers and- the best. Yeah. Well, I, I always thought the cover I mean, would be the one who's in the center. No, not all. Not really. Uh, not necessarily. Okay. It changes month to month. It depends. It's, well, you know, back then it was whatever Hef was in the mood for. And <laughs> I was very lucky that he chose me to be on the cover of April. And so what was that process like? How'd you go from not being in it to being? Well, <laughs> listen, I, I was in the entertainment business long before playboy Mm -hmm. came around playboy kind of came around by accident i was it was an accident really i went in for an audition at the playboy building and i got a call that they were interested in having me come and be a centerfold and you know that was like what i never (laughs) looked at my i never looked at myself that way so i always thought you applied so they came and asked you no i didn't apply (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how i didn't didn't apply no 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 (laughs) that's cool that's even better I'm going to apply to be a bunny. <laughs> That'd be a fun process. I, mean, I don't know. Some people must, right? I have no idea what the well, usual onboarding guess, is. No, listen. Okay, here's the deal. And all, you know, <laughs> now I'm going to laugh about this, but no. So when I was actually shooting my centerfold, I remember the makeup artist telling me that 
Playboy got over a thousand submissions a day. Oh, so there definitely were people going that way. Girls were submitting their photos and submitting letters saying, it's been my dream to be in the magazine. That wasn't my story. And it's only because I'm, I live in LA. I kind of grew up in the entertainment business. I started at the age of 19. I had been doing commercials and modeling before, before Playboy. So I was kind of, I was kind of an old, I was kind of like a mother hen because I, I don't know how to say this, but I kind of, I knew the ropes. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like coming off. I wasn't coming off the bus to LA. Well, so a lot of the women who were submitting themselves being submissive. You were more dominant when it comes to the uh, playboy process. That's just a dumb joke. <laughs> I guess. But I my guess. point was, would you have gotten Kathy and total exposure if it wasn't for, or did you already have that? And it was just waiting to be released. <laughs> no, I probably would not have gotten the roles that I got. I think that what, one of the things that really worked well for me was the phone started ringing and people wanted to meet with me. And that was, that was great. I mean, I was, I was knocking down doors before Playboy. And then after mm -hmm. Playboy, all of a sudden I'm getting calls. Everybody wanted to meet with me. You had to buy a contractor to put up a better door for yourself. Well, yeah, but no. Yeah. So people were knocking down my door and that was good. And so, yeah, I don't know that that would have happened if I hadn't have mm -hmm. done Playboy. So yeah, all, all great things came from it. And it's, you know, for me, really, I know it's a big part of, People really want to hear the Playboy story, but it's really a small part of, of course, my life adventure, especially now, given how especially no now, offense yeah. how long ago it was. Well, I'm yeah. sure for you, it's less <laughs> of a thing, but I've had many life adventures and Playboy is just one of them. <laughs> Do you did you get a lot of pushback from your family and or other people about doing it or was it kind of like no full support all around? No, no pushback. I would say, if anything. In 1989, Playboy was the number one magazine in the world. So if oh, anything, wow. it was more of like, oh, my God, that's huge. Yeah, that's as big as it gets. Yeah, I don't know that that would be the same reaction today because it's not the same world. But back then, it was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's back also when like for TV, you only had so many channels yeah. that really people paid attention to. So like all eyeballs were in one place. Exactly. At one time, now we're all spread yeah. out. No one even has like a shared yeah. thing anymore. I, I feel bad for kids growing up these days because they don't have like yeah cultural things. They're all individual weird little memes and stuff, you know, <laughs> where like we had friends and stuff, like a lot of stuff or Seinfeld, but, you know, where everyone knew what was going on with one thing, you know? Yeah. I think they don't really have that anymore. But so. Looking back on it, obviously, you don't view Playboy as a failure. So where, where, when did these failures start coming in? Um, I would say, you know, if, if I had to pick a failure, mm -hmm. it was probably my divorce. A lot of people do that because it's hard to view that as anything else than a failure because you tell everybody in the world, hey, we're going to be together forever. Psych. We're not. Yeah. It's like it's really hard to not feel like you made a mistake at the very least, but it's like a learning experience. But yeah. And I really it, it wasn't so much about what other people thought for me. It was more it was more about oh. what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I felt oh. like a failure, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I today divorce is like everybody's divorced, you know, that I know in my circle. Most people uh -huh. are. So it wasn't really about what other people thought. I felt horrible and I felt that I failed and who I 
really failed was myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I failed myself. And then I felt my kids. I felt my ex, my husband. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's better than my my ex. Oh, yeah. Husband. I'm gonna so dramatic. Music, my ex-husband. So, yeah, you know, and I don't I, you know, I failed. I failed how I handled it. I failed. I failed leading up to it. You know, I failed the circumstances afterwards. You know, there were a lot of different failures. Divorce was just the big umbrella. And then underneath are all those little failures, like the things that come out of your mouth when you're upset and, you Mm -hmm. know, the things that you, that you do and the little slips you have, you know, Oh, he's an asshole, you know? And you know, those are failures. Those are horrible failures. And it's not really, it's not really the person that I set out to be. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't your best self. Nobody does. Nobody, nobody sets out to do those kind of things. And I mean, I, not every 90% of the people, but for me, it just was devastating to look back and see just how immature, yeah, how angry, how frustrated I was in all the low spiraling, the bad emotions. Yeah. And you know, when you're in those emotions, unfortunately they perpetuate, they feed off each other until you finally put up a, a wall to it and say, no more. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. And I, you know, I did, I didn't do that for years. I sat in those feelings for way too long. Yeah. That can be easy to do, especially if you're not yeah. doing any kind of stress management stuff or anything to really change the way that coaching therapy, yeah. healing meditation. Yeah. All of it, you know, which is now my whole life. Yeah. So Deb's den where the healing begins, where it starts. If you're already healing, don't go there. Yeah, I created I created my I created my den and yeah. and w- this is really the truth of the story of why how it got created. I mm-hmm. I was on a healing journey and I had removed a lot of things out of my life and I have whiteboards and I was spending a lot of time really isolated to do this healing work. I had a lot of people that I was working with mm-hmm. and my daughter came in my room one day and wrote on my whiteboard, Deb's den. And she's an artist. So she wrote it beautifully. <laughs> and I sat there and looked at it for months. And then it finally hit me. That's the name of my company. That's my brand. Mm. And that's how it happened. Um, you know, it, it was my daughter who wrote it and made this beautiful kind of art Deb's den and it stuck, you know, and then I realized, oh, den, it's, it, this is my den, my safe place. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I wonder how many other people need a safe place to heal. And so then all of a sudden, you know, you said, this is how good vibes start perpetuating is that I, then I started like expanding on it. And then I thought, well, I'm going to write about it. And then mm-hmm. I ended up writing a weekly blog and now I have a newsletter that goes out. I mean, it's like, I, you know, these are all gifts of just staying on track, staying in line with what your mm-hmm. purpose is and, and believing that, you know, there's something bigger than myself yeah. and, you know, it's hard when you're in the acting industry. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think failure, you know, by the way, here's the good news about failures. If you're not failing, you're not growing. And that's the bottom line. If you're not failing, you're not growing. And I can tell you my emotional and spiritual growth came during those times of dark failures. That's when the growth took place for me emotionally, spiritually. That's when the healing took place. 
And yeah, you know, I, I'm not afraid of failures anymore. It's okay. It's exciting to me now. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if I'm going to fail, I might as well fail big. What do I have to lose at this point? You know, really a lot lot of people really hate the word. And I mean, if we, if we could reframe it as uh, learning or discovery or whatever you want to call it, um, that'd be great, but we still have to deal with the fact that there is a word out there. So that's why, you know, I started embracing it, but a lot of people just have such a negative view of whether it's the word or that it's just the idea of failure that it stops them from doing so many things in their lives because of the fear of failure or the fear of not doing the thing, but you're already not doing the thing. So it's, if you don't do anything about it, it's not going to change. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something. If you, if, if here's the, here's the, the big disaster of failing is if you fail and you don't do anything to improve, or if mm-hmm. you, or if you just quit, or if you give up, or if you don't grow, don't learn anything from it. If you're not growing and learning from the failure, then that failure, then it wasn't worth failing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to fail, well, that's the real failure. That's the actual real failure. Yeah. That's the actual failure. <laughs> so I'm not so scared of the failure. I'm scared that I'm not going to take the failure and run with it and do yeah. something with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that should be something we get excited about. It's like, okay, if I'm going to fail, then it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lesson. It'll be doing something you want to do. It would be towards an end that you're, I mean, like, so being an actor or an actress, you must be told no a lot. So you gotta get used to failure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. It's a pretty high percentage. Sometimes three, four times a day. <laughs> yeah. High percentage. No. In sales. Oh my God. I would have people say, okay, no. And I'd say, really, come on. You know, like sales is one of those things where no, you're like, really? Come on. They're like, fine. I'll buy it. <laughs> 80% of the time you're getting no, you're getting rejected. Yeah. Sales. I'm always impressed with people that really make it in sales because you hung in there. You stuck in. Yeah. And you believed in your product to stick around. And you had a lot of conversations that ended in no, no business, no nothing. Just a waste of your time. I mean, you got better at hopefully selling, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Anything, even like baseball where uh, you strike out seven out of 10 times. There's a lot of things where failure is baked into it so much that it's hard for people to even approach it. Like a lot of people don't like sales because of exactly that. You know, they don't want to be told no. Well, what I see, what I see, what I see really when, and I used to, before COVID, I was speaking about sales and, and my past uh, career was life insurance. And so what I was speaking about was if you don't stay in line, if you give up so soon, you really miss the whole the whole game because sales is a spiritual game. You know, you're there mm-hmm. to add value all the time. And I just had this recently happen. Okay, so I'll share this with you. And this was uh, and and I actually took the time to kind of help this person, where in the past I would have just let it go. But like mentor them. I I thought I thought I, yeah I thought I I needed to say something because I was I bought something. And I was confused about it. So I, I must have sent out like five texts and then. So you're a customer. Yeah, I'm the customer. And so I sent out some texts and she responded and I kept deleting the text thinking I already took care of it. And then I texted her again and I said, oh my gosh, can you please send me that? She goes, with all due respect, this is how she starts it. with all due respect. And then she tells me all the things that she already did. So I sat with that. 
And then I sent her a message and I said, listen, I'm really sorry that I bothered you. You know, you must be really busy and I'm really sorry that I bothered you. Mm -hmm. But as a salesperson, I get those emails a hundred times a day. I get people saying, I lost that email. Could you resend it a hundred times? Yes, of course. And so I said to her, this might not be the right path for you because I have to tell you, the number one question I asked myself every day when I was when I was in sales or even now, how can I add more value? And if that's not your primary question when you're in sales and you're trying to sell a product that you believe in, then you're going to have a lot. Are you are you texting? I'm writing down notes. How do I add more value? <laughs> OK, good. And I also wrote good. I wanted to make sure I'm like, I also okay. wrote in quotes. I, let me tell right, I'll tell you what I wrote. Okay. With all due respect and quotes, because I hate that fucking saying, first of mm -hmm. all, and it always brings zero respect to the conversation. <laughs> it makes you feel condescended to. Yes. This is a young salesperson. I'm texting in the sense I'm writing text down. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. This is good. I'm glad you have a notebook in front of you. My, my ADHD brain can't keep it up going. You know what? You're like 80% ahead of everybody out there because you're writing things down. It's really good. Good news. So that's why I, that's why I wanted to check in. Well, this whole thing is to get better at. So here's the deal. So I want to get better at. She. Hey, hold on. Pause. I'll tell you one thing. One thing. Okay. Yeah, no, fine. I'll, I'll put myself on pause and I'll tell myself to write to say it in a second. But keep going with your story. Go ahead. Okay. No, but anyway, so I said to her, I'm really sorry I bothered you. You must be super busy, you know, but you might want to consider that sales might not be for you because I have to tell you in my experience. Yeah. You fired her basically. I've had people ask me <laughs> 20,000 times the same damn question. And I'm always like, oh, well, let me help you out with that again. Of course. You know? Oh, no problem. I must not have sent it to the right place. Whatever. Because my primary question is, how can I add more value? It yeah. doesn't matter if they ask me a thousand times. Well, anyway, she came back to me and she said, oh, my God, Debs, you're you're I have so much respect. Like, I know you're a, you're a rock star in sales and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just I can't you know, I learned so much. And then her excuse was, by the way, her excuse was this is just a side hustle. <laughs> so here's the deal, people. Yep. I don't care if it's a side hustle. I don't care if you're doing it at night. A throuple hustle. If you're in sales, if you're in sales, you're number one. Number one thing is how do I add more value? Because here's what I here's here's what's more profound. Okay. This is what people miss. This is the here is it, here it is. So write this down. Here it is. When you are not adding value to your clients and you're condescending to them with all due respect, blah, blah, blah. She might come around to me in maybe five, 10 years with something that she's really strongly in love with some product that she now wants to show me. Yeah. And guess what? Guess what I'm going to remember? The bullshit, all due respect thing. And now you've lost me. You've lost me. So it's a spiritual game. Don't lose your clients because you're frustrated because you don't want to repeat and, yourself. If yeah. that's the hardest thing of your job, repeating yourself, take it. Imagine like being a bricklayer or something, and instead you're talking on the phone all day. Like it's just so much easier. I mean, it should be able you can you can like whatever mentally yeah. life hack your way into figuring out how to be nice to people that even if you don't like what they're saying to yeah. you. I mean, that's part of the trick of of sales. But with this podcast, what I'm trying to do is get better over my issues. So I I'm bad at listening, bad at interrupting, bad at mumbling. So that's why I'm writing this stuff down. Like I'm just trying to get better. And if I'm recorded and I have to edit it myself, if I mess up, poof. 
it's uh it's been helpful <laughs> in a lot of those ways so <laughs> but keeping things in memory while still listening is always difficult now, on my end so so the good news for her was yeah well oh i wanted to say sorry when when you don't yeah. add value you kind of take value you know it's like you were you remove value from the person and it's like uh, that whole reciprocity thing you know well if you're it, listen it doesn't if you're selling something yeah there's no reciprocity here's the deal you are required to add value to your customers your clients they're not required to do anything for you well no so this is what i mean by reciprocity <laughs> my point is they they're giving you their business you know yeah if you want to keep their business you need to at least be giving in the values at least if you're taking value from them and like pissing them off they're gonna go somewhere else for sure no no no, no. you're missing hold on Hold on, hold on. Let's make sure we get this. Let's make sure we get this right. Absolutely. Let's get this clear. Okay, let's make sure. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. If you are selling a product yes. to a client or a customer, you are required to add value all the time. For sure. Like 100%. There's yes. no question about it. If you're not adding value to your clients and customers, you should not be in sales. End of story. You're going to lose them for 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 too long. Yes, but you're not only not adding value, you're taking value away from their life. Like you're making their life worse because you're pissing them off, you know? So it's like not even just that you're not adding value, you're actively diminishing value, you know? So, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not in any kind of argument with you. You seem heated. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I just want to make sure that you heard me correctly. I meant there's a relationship there where the, the customer is ideally either has historically already or will in the future give you business. So that's the reciprocity you're expecting by giving so much value to them. Yeah. It's it's unspoken, but like that's the reason for, you know, being so value add is to, you know, to make sure that absolutely, you know, you do your job as a salesperson. It's my job. It's my job. I don't exactly. expect anything. If they want to give me their business, that's a that's a plus. But yes. my job is to make my clients feel like I'm adding value yeah. to them all the time. And if they ask me the same question a thousand times, that's part of the deal. That's not yep. so hard. That's not a hard job to answer a question. Yeah. Especially when you've answered already so many times, you already know the answer. Easy. Yeah. They, you know, listen, everybody's busy. And that's what I said to her. I said, listen, I've got 20 things on my desk and that's yeah. if i'm not finding the thing you sent me and i need you to send it to me 10 times that's what how yeah. hard is that you might need to find it unfortunately <laughs> you know according to this person <laughs> i sometimes it's like the fifth time that someone reaches out to me where i'm like oh yeah i'm supposed to do that thing can you just make it easier for me and send me the the original thing because i don't want to have to go through the whole chain of thing you know just make it easier for your customer because why wouldn't you want to you know yeah it's already hard enough to get people to do anything these days. Yeah, absolutely. Make it as easy as possible if you're on the side that can can do that. You know, a lot of customer service people, well, probably because half the people they talk to are just beating them down, you know, with complaints and negativity. A lot of people don't know how to talk to a customer service or sales rep, like from the point of trying to get what they want as a customer either. You know, a lot of times people just complain, complain, complain. And while that might get you something once in a while. It won't ever really get you like that nice treatment, you know, from a salesperson where they go out of their way to be extra kind to you. If you're just yelling at them the whole time, you know, is there something you'd give as advice to a consumer who's calling up uh, like a company to, to be a better. That's a whole different, that's a whole different 
that's that's a whole different subject. I mean, you say fuck that subject. I'm not going to talk about it. Is that what you're saying? No, I just I that's not I don't I'm not on the other end of exactly of of that. So pretend you are. What would you tell them? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, be kind always. There we go. I like it. You know, there's you know, be kind always, even if you're on the other end of somebody lashing out. My thing would be, I'm trying to help you here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but how can I how can I help yeah. you so you're not upset? I hear, you know, acknowledging sometimes is all people really want. Oh. So I hear that you're upset. So mm-hmm. what can I do to calm this down for you yeah. instead of lashing back? You know, when we lash back, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So- so what um, with Deb's Den, what kind of healing things do you uh, focus on? What are your healing methods? Methods. That's a good question. Um, so Deb's Den is a healing space. Mm-hmm. It's it's a place where I write a weekly blog. I write about all sorts of things. I I have a memoir coming out next year. And so when I write. Are you excited about that? Oh, extremely. Of course. That's awesome. I have a book coming out in July. Um, called Here Comes the Sun. Oh. And I am a guest author in that book. And it's all women authors. It's kind of like a chicken soup for this. Is it S-O-N? S-U-N. Here Comes the Sun. Yeah, Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Okay, so it's like the Beatles. Yeah, okay. I just didn't know if you were doing like a mother-son thing. I didn't know if there's like some kind of other thing. I didn't, what's it about? Yeah, no, it's Here Comes the Sun. Um, it is I would say it's, I would compare it to the chicken soup for the soul. Okay. So it literally means like, here comes the sun. Like it's not supposed to mention, make you think of the Beatles as much as you would. Yeah. Probably. So it's, so it's stories written by women about dark times and how they got out of those dark times. So for your podcast, it's failures. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds awesome. And how they got to the other side. Right things Mm -hmm. like that. So that's coming out July 7th, I would say, to really uh, come to my website and sign up for my newsletter. Mm -hmm. Where do they go? What's the website? To my website, debradriggs.com. Okay, you got it here first. So that's coming out July 7th. And then my blog, I write a weekly blog about anything that I'm dealing with. So Mm -hmm. if I'm dealing with a failure, if I'm dealing with something that's bothering me or for example if if i have this situation like i was just explaining with this salesperson that will kind of inspire me to write because i feel like that's kind of a typical situation that people deal with Mm -hmm. and then i i write about what i do in those circumstances and the tools that i use and then you know i take expert uh excerpts from my memoir and write about those, just kind of getting a feel for what people, what's resonating with people so yeah. that it kind of helps me in writing my book. Absolutely. It's kind of like stand-up, stand-up comedians. They pay attention to what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. their things going on in their life. They put it in their work. It makes sense that you, you know, do yeah. the same. Yep. So I have a weekly newsletter. I have a weekly blog. I have a few books coming out. I have another book coming out in November called Son of a Basque. And that is S-O-N, <laughs> Son of a Basque. How do you spell Basque? B-A-S-Q-U-E. Okay. Like Basque so. Country. It's the Basque Country in Spain. Gotcha. 
And that book is a book that my grandfather wrote. And, and when I read the book, there were so many things in the book that I didn't know about him, Mm -hmm. that I didn't know he went through and just the traumas. And, and what intrigued me about it was, you know, I really believe that those traumas end up in our nervous systems. Yeah, It ended up in my mom's and then it ends up in mine. And so it's breaking those family systems, breaking those family traumas. And I got really intrigued and I read it a few times and I thought, wow, what a great story and what a great example. And this is just one relative. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, like, I wish I would have really taken the time. And I talk about this a lot is really take the time to get to know your relatives and what they went through. Mm-hmm. the things that they suffered, the traumas they went through, because it can really explain some of the stuff that's in your nervous system. And I thought, wow, that was just one grandparent. I wish all my grandparents left something yeah. that I could have read. And I wish I would have taken the time when they were all alive to really get to know them better. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, that could be a failure, you know, take the time to get to know. If you are listening, go back, listen to episode 51, which is me and my 90 year old Nana. And uh, I recorded it like six phone calls over a year because it was hard to even explain what podcasting is to her. But uh, we got a, a great interview. And and yeah, I learned so much crazy stuff that she'd been through that I had no clue about. She's my only surviving grandparent. So similarly, I wish I had been able to get info out of other people. But now I have something that I can live on forever. I've even got hours of other stuff. I was going to do a blooper reel version because of our conversations. It's so ridiculous. And I was trying yeah. to convince her like, Hey, tell me your grandson a story, but like, as if I don't already know the answers and as if I'm, you know, anybody, it's always hard to like get her to understand this weird conversation we're having on the phone. She's on a landline is going to somehow be heard by people and be made into a way. That's not uh, this ridiculous conversation. So it was really great to, to get all that, but, to your point, to just all these things that you don't know that they have stored as stories that they just either stop telling because no one asked them or whatever. I'm not sure. Or we don't, we're not as inquisitive as we need to be, but like they have all these gems of stories. They just don't feel like it's being coaxed out of them. So they don't offer it up. Like she had some crazy stuff. She was born in uh, 1931 and they, uh, she was premature. She's only two and a half pounds and they kept her in a shoebox for a year on top of a heater in there was cotton batting and stuff because it was, it was forever wow. ago before like world war ii and so and then like to go through all that stuff and i was like well, well what about world war ii and like how'd you feel about that because she was like 14 or whatever um so it's just interesting to see a lot of that stuff but you're saying like you're saying all those past traumas get passed down via the way we parent or whatever and then somehow Absolutely. get you get a drip down version of of each of those things and it's a, a mix of all your relatives so it's like this weird conglomeration of uh anxieties and and good th- you know good and bad qualities that kind of trickle down so it's really interesting that's cool that you got to find that for your grandfather and you said son of a basque son of a basque yeah nice. and it's wow what a, what a great opportunity see that is exactly what what why i got so excited about publishing this book because or having this book published is because I didn't know. I didn't know mm-hmm. half of the stories. I knew some, but not all. And, yeah. and then I started thinking, God, I wish I could interview all my grandparents right now because that could explain a lot of yeah. 
what, what I've dealt with in my life and just know it's even beneficial for the rest of your family too. Absolutely. To get on record and everything. Yeah. I love it. And I have a thing, something my great, great grandmother wrote um, where they talk about, so I'm the fourth. So my grandfather, my real grandfather was the second, but he was in his fifties when my grandmother was in her twenties. So when he graduated from Harvard, she was negative nine years old or some ridiculousness. So uh, um, that's the one time I'll be supportive of that probably relationship. But uh, the they'd talk about how Alexander Graham Bell asked my grandfather to use the lab to help develop the um, telephone. And he said, no, I'm like, what, you fucking idiot. What the hell? We could have been rich. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, or like them going in the first Pullman car. Like all sorts of really cool historical things, but written on this weird typed up uh, thing from my great grandmother, Emily. But I want to turn that into similarly like a book either in combination with what my grandmother's saying and stuff, because there's a lot of cool stuff, but no one's going through it and, you know, organizing in any way. So that that must have been uh, quite a labor of love, because I imagine you're doing most of the work of bringing that to the world. Yeah, I had to do a lot of editing, a lot of rewriting, a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of attention and love went into it. It was it's been a three. And it's not out yet. You said November, November. Okay. yeah. And then you have your memoir. So you got like three different books coming up to promote. Mm-hmm. A lot of writing, a lot of writing. And you're yeah. writing a weekly blog and stuff. So what, of, what, yeah. what got you into writing? Well, I'll tell you, I was thinking about that. And I, I had a memory of when I was in the fourth grade and we had a contest and we all had to write poems and my uh, teacher was really, she, she was one of the teachers that was really into writing and really into English and literature. And she loved, I loved to read when I was in grade school. Mm-hmm. And so in fourth grade, I won the contest. I wrote a poem and I won the contest and I got really confident with writing. And that became my favorite subject all through school mm-hmm. was English, writing, reading. That was that was kind of what I honed in on. Do you think that was the start of your creative arts stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I was horrible at math and science and all of that, but writing was was kind of my love. And I've always been kind of a riffer, you know, mm-hmm. where I just take a pad and I just riff. And so, but then, you know, that kind of went away. And I don't know why it just did. And mm-hmm. I didn't do so well in high school. I barely graduated high school. And then in 2017, I started writing. And I've always been, this is one thing that I've always been very old school. I always have a, uh, a book with me where I write things down. I like. Mm-hmm. I don't like to put things in my phone, so I write down like a journal. You mean my meetings? Well, it's kind of like a day planner with a okay. room to journal. Yep. And so I do that because I like to take notes from any meetings that I have or anything that comes out. I like to have something to write on. Mm-hmm. So I always keep something with me to write on, and then I always have a yellow pad by my bed because I'm. I just. I my short term memory is yeah not as good as my long term memory, and so I have Same. to always. If I have a thought, I'm like, oh, I better write that down because it'll Mm go. It'll just go like I'll have an idea. Also, even the act of writing it down reinforces it more than just thinking about it. A hundred percent. Yeah. My God. Yes. So um, 
So I have journals and yellow pads everywhere. And in 2017, I started writing again. And in 19, I decided to write a book. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, when COVID hit, that was it. I went full in. And I remember yeah. I thought, I'm going to write a weekly blog. And, I, and then I started negotiating with myself, <laughs> which, which is a real, that's always, that's always a telltale that when you start to do the negotiation, that you probably better do it. Because yeah, your brain's already resisting whatever it yeah. is you think you want to do. And so, <laughs> so the fear sets in and I'm thinking. Use that fear. <laughs> okay. Guess what? Because I was negotiating like, well, maybe I'll write one Monthly once a month. Or, yeah. yeah. I was doing that. And then I'm like, nope, I'm writing a weekly blog. End of story. Mm. Non-negotiable. And that's yep. what I did. And so I just celebrated. I just, uh, this last week, I posted my 52nd Oh, one year. Congratulations. That's awesome. One year blogs. Thank you. Yeah. How excited are you? Are you doing anything to celebrate? Like, are you going out and having a. So, yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. It's, it's not writing another me. blog probably for the week. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's not a thing to, I don't boast about it. I don't tell it to you to brag. I tell it because that was a big. I meant as a celebration for yourself, like it's a little birthday dinner or something. You could treat yourself, you know? Yeah, no, it's more of talking about that I almost gave up. Yeah, it can be easy. And now look, and now, so it's a great example of I almost gave up before I even got started. I really Mm -hmm. did. I almost talked to myself, who's going to want to read what I want, what I want to write. And, you know, I just was trying to talk myself out of it. And because I stuck with it, I got asked to be a guest author in a book. And I have people emailing me now and Mm. saying, could you please write about this? I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's blowing. It's kind of like it blew up a little bit. And, and the good news is, is all, I was getting great response and people emailing me and, and telling me that God, thank God for your blog this week, because I was having this problem and you wrote about it. And then the bad news is, is I don't have the, I didn't have the resources to keep up with everything. Yeah. The bandwidth. Yeah. So I had to really like put a team together now and (laughs) with help with just little technical things that, yeah, you know, I just want to sit and write. And there's a lot of technical, as you know, doing a podcast, there's so many technical things besides sitting here and talking that go into making a podcast. Absolutely. And I think what you're saying is uh, the power of not only not talking yourself out of something, but the power of sticking with it, because yes. I'm sure at the beginning, in the first few weeks or whatever, there weren't as many people obviously reading or caring. And there's a lot of time in whatever creative thing, podcasts, Nobody especially read. Nope. <laughs> like there, a year later after I started this thing, there was still one download a day that I was getting. And so it, a lot of people quit. That's why uh, I think there's like 3 million podcasts, but there's only like 500,000 active ones because people just give up because they don't want to wait and they don't want to keep sticking with it until something clicks. So I always say to like change your goal to be something you can control, like how many you put out. So like, just like you did, if I commit to doing this every week, you know, if the goals get one out every week, then that's all you got to do. Who cares how many people read it? I mean, hopefully you'll get better at getting it readable, yeah. but, but you do something, put something you can control as your, as your goal. And uh, you've been doing it. So 52 weeks, congratulations. That's Thank awesome. you. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool because I went back 
and read some of the early ones that were terrible. Of course, yeah. (laughs) You know, I thought, I don't even, I'm not going to take them down because that shows me the progression. It's like anything. You don't go to the gym the first day with a great body and cut, you know, ripped, you know, a year later you go, wow, look what I looked like a year ago. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel with my writing. It's like, oh God, you know, look what I was writing and look where I am now. Now I'm writing a book. And, and so. But I agree. Leaving it up is only, uh, it helps other people who are struggling to start themselves. You know, they're like, they can see the progression that you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. No, no one's perfect, but you don't have to be whatever you think perfect is straight out the gate. You don't have to just do your best work and, and, and show up. Mm-hmm. 80% of everything is showing up. Yeah. And just, cre- I like, I forget who said it, but just creating for the trash can, meaning like just creating things t- to create them and see what happens and don't necessarily throw them away, but not have expectations of it being um, amazing. Just, you know, try yeah. things out. Beautiful. Beautifully said, create things for the trash. <laughs> I think it was the guy from Weezer because he wrote so many songs, there were like hundreds <laughs> of songs, and then he would just pick the good ones. But, um, yep. So before we get into any of the uh, the last couple of questions, which are more forward looking, uh, is there any uh, just thoughts on either the word, the concept of failure or any of your historical stuff? Because these next couple of questions are a little more forward looking. Um, yeah, you know, I would just say what I said mm-hmm. previously is that failure, if you're not failing, you're not growing to dance with failure because mm. usually, you know, failure also shows that you're doing something. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not failing, you're not doing. (laughs) So failure is showing it's kind of evidence that you're doing something. So guess what? 90% of the world out there, you're way ahead if you've got failures because you're doing something. My, one of my guests, Vinny, uh, said, you know, fail now because nobody's looking like nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> fail before you're in front of everybody failing, you know, do it now. Get it out of your. <laughs> I would add to that, that even if you're in front of everybody, keep failing. Keep yeah, failing. Yeah, yeah. Of course, because that just means you're moving forward. You're on the hill. You're climbing the hill mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's all good. You know, it's it's you're a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And if you feel that fear, I'm a work in progress for sure. <laughs> We're all, a work I fall in down. I get back up. I'm like, okay. And you know, yeah. what, do, what do I have to lose? Honestly, you know, I think about, you know, life in time now. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm very, yeah. I'm very much thinking about, okay, I'm 58 and you know, how many hours left, how many days left how many weeks left how many out yep. you know how many how years can you squeeze the best out of that right and what if you know and i don't really like to play the what if game but i kind of mm-hmm. do with this subject because what if well because this is it like if that gets this... you to act sooner and act more i mean well, and by act i mean do actions you know that's good yeah i mean it's bad to think more with thoughts or whatever but we're all gonna go at some point so you might as well take that finite resource that no one has more of, which is time, regardless of how long it's going to be. And to make the best of your time every day and fail a hundred times, then at least you could put your head on the pillow Mm -hmm. and say, well, honestly, I did that. I put that shitty, I put that (laughs) shitty blog out, but I did something. (laughs) Uh, Most people interviewed on their deathbed more talk about the regrets they have from not doing things than regretting doing things that didn't work out. 
Yeah. You know? I feel that now. I really do. I feel that yeah. at my age. I didn't feel that in my 20s or, you know, because you just it's it's kind of a bummer. So I really hope that anybody young listening mm-hmm. kind of gets that time goes. It goes quick. It does. And you still and feel young no matter how old a, you get. It's a goes in a blink of an eye. So make the yeah. best of it. And I don't sweat small stuff. Don't sweat the failures. Just keep yep. going. Yeah. And as much as possible, try not to care what people think unless they matter, you know, unless your your their opinion matters. Like unless you're unless they're living some life that you want. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of haters out there who are going to give you if you're doing anything of value, you're going to get people criticizing you. Yeah. But, you know, I I'm only worried, you know, for me, I don't I'm very careful to take advice or care Mm -hmm. what other people say or do if they're not living a life that I really want to live. If they are, then. I kind of look at it like maybe that's good. Um, for sure. Like if you, you know, don't take financial advice from someone who's homeless or broke or yeah, whatever, you, you know, take criti- take criticism for, from people that are actually living the life that you want. Take mm-hmm. that to heart a little bit. You know, don't. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, not too much. Consider but, the source always. <laughs> yeah. Consider the source, because I know a lot of times people have said things about me and I, I used to get really like, oh, God, you know, because I was in that in that mm-hmm. eye of people judging me. And then, you know, looking back, it's like, they're not around anymore. I'm still around. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to make sure who we take advice from. It really is. It's easy to talk ourselves out of stuff. Like you were saying, you're almost talking to yourself out of writing the thing. If you, if anybody else is telling you to not to do it, it's like, it just adds to the ease of which you can talk yourself out of something, you know? Yes. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. Yay. Cause guess what I have. Hold on. Oh, go ahead. You're going to love this. And I, I keep it right here. Remember? Oh these? man. So I'm making one. This is get out of fail free. And I'm going to send it to all the guests with their episode number. So you know what this is for? Yes, that's perfect. So I don't even need to hand this to you because you already have it. Okay, no, but this is get out of jail. And you know what? Of course, that's what I based it on. Yes. (laughs) In life, people are going to do things. They're going to upset you. Mm -hmm. They're going to really make you upset. But if you have this, say, yeah, can I get out of jail? I fucked up. I'm sorry. You know, so this is perfect. So so this is a reminder. I want to show you, but it's on my phone, which is my webcam that I have a get out of feel free one that looks just like that. That is designed to <laughs> I'm going to send it to all my all my guests. It's brilliant. These are great reminders. Um, So you'll be getting one at some point uh, once I make them. I'm, all, I'm this close to making them, but uh, Yay. but you get one right now. Unfortunately, you have to use it immediately. But OK, I will. Uh, what, what the get out of fail free card is, um, is there a hobby, a passion, a something that throughout life you've avoided because of the amount of failure, either that you thought you you just thought you wouldn't be good at it or just like we've talked about, there's a lot of things that have a lot of failure baked into it. Is there something you'd use that card for if you could get out of it? Like if you want to be a pilot or you want to be a bodybuilder or uh, I don't even know what it would be, a stand-up comedian, what would you use that (laughs) card for to make that easier to achieve whatever that thing is if if you could? Oh my gosh. Because you've done a lot of scary stuff. I mean, that most people wouldn't do. Uh, you know, put yourself out there like as an actress, there's a lot of rejection, and everything. But is there something else where you were like, oh, I could really be good at. OK, I've got it. I've got it because there is one thing that I kind of always wished I would have done. Mm-hmm. 
And that is, I wish I would have done a play. Oh, a theatrical play, live play, live theater. I wish I would have done a play. You still can. I know. I'm that's what I'm using that card for. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, so what kind of play would it be? Shakespearean funny. Classic? Yeah. Okay. Or like something. Um, my big fat Greek wedding or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would be open to all of it. Oh, to Broadway. Are we thinking like a musical? Anything that just really scares me. Okay. Yep. I don't know that you want to hear me sing. So probably not okay. anything that would require me to sing. You get on a feel free. Maybe you could sound good. I could do a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, or would it be like a real, like a heavy dramatic play? What, what, what would it, in your, or you said it'd be funny. So it'd be more like maybe like a, either a musical or just a funny, uh, like a, I'm trying to think of what, what are the funniest plays I've seen? I really like Book of Mormon, but I think that was also a musical too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could not sing. My voice. You can though, with the get out of fail free, I think you might be able to. No, because I don't have, I don't have the, uh, the strength. I want to take lessons from like an old church lady on how to sing. I think (laughs) they're lonely and they wouldn't judge me. And then I could get better. I have a very deep, I have a smoker voice. You know, I have a voice. Macy Gray sounded kind of like that. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. I will say this. I, I did take up piano in 2017 oh. and my piano teacher would always say, we should add a voice lesson on. And I'd say, have you heard my voice? I sound like I smoke two packs a day. And he said, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's well, exactly. It's not like what you'd expect. It's great voice. No, we can totally work with it. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. now I know you're blowing smoke. <laughs> oh, well, you never know. They could be, I mean, because a lot of times, uh, just like Johnny Cash or whoever, like the non-stereotypical yeah. voice sometimes is something you need uh, in the music world. And then um, the last thing before we get to where people can okay. find you and connect with you is uh, I, I don't like the fake it till you make it phrase. So I say, fa- I don't either fail it till you nail it is the way is my take on it. So I don't what's... like it either. I'm glad you said that. It's like, well, because why do we want to be fake? Why would I do that? That's already setting me up for failure. Fake it's it till making... you make it. No, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you can't fake. I mean, I don't even know how to fake it. So <laughs> I don't like it either. I'm so glad you said that because I don't like that saying. Either. It's the worst. So it's just saying be disingenuous until until you're ready to not be or something. It's I don't like, know you know, I know you're scared. So just fake it till you make it. No, yeah. be scared and just do it. <laughs> yeah. Or like, well, I don't want to do business with someone who's faking it. Like, I don't yeah, get, exactly. It doesn't help anybody. No. So I say fail it till you nail it. So what's the thing that you now are approaching? Maybe it's releasing these books or something like that, where you're uh, not sure of how you're going to do it. Or maybe it's a new um, thing you're taking on, but you're going to fail it until you nail it. I'm in the process. I'm in it. I'm in, I'm deep in it right now. And that is I've never. This is Yeah, this is it then. Deb's den. The well, there's thing. that, but I've never I've never put a book out before. And yeah, so you have three all, coming out and you've put none out, right? This is all very new and I'm learning as I go. And believe me, I've made lots of mistakes um, leading up to this book launch in November. The one in July is a collaboration. So I don't really okay. have to do too much except promote it and and, and, and written your that. part. Yeah. But the one I have coming out in November, I've done all of it. And so yep. it's been a whole learning experience. Well, that's a good uh, practice run for your memoir, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because you're going to realize all the things that you got to make sure you get right at that point, which is always the best part of about, I said, I was going to write a book called the power of fucking up or something like that, or instead of failure, 
or why I'm happy I was fired from every job I've ever had or something to that effect. But my point is like the more you do, the more it impacts and influences in a good way, the later things that you do of the same variety. And a lot of times I try to look when I do something good, I'm like, what are the things that I messed up years ago that allowed me to do this one the right way? You know? And so I think it's good to do things like you're saying, like releasing that other book. It might not have thought, in your head intentionally as a trial run, but it seems like it'll be a good trial run for <laughs> publishing a book. And are you like self-publishing or going through a publisher or what's the, what's the process for it? I'm self-publishing. Perfect. Yeah. Cause then you could get all the control. Yeah. So I'm self-published. That's why I said, I'm, I'm, it's like this, you know, because I'm, I, I, I'm navigating through mm-hmm. waters. I've never, you know, uncharted waters. I've never yeah. been in this territory and it's all new and it's, it's an all learning experience. It's, it's, it's fascinating. The book world, I am now reading two books a week because nice. I'm so fascinated with this world. And, and yeah. I, I hadn't, I, you know, I told you, I used to really be into reading and writing and all mm-hmm. of that. And then I kind of lost that in high school. Went dormant for a while. I, yeah, I really did. And I really do like to read. And so I've just been reading a ton and, and learning about other people's journeys. And, and I have to tell you the publishing community, the author community, the book community, that world is so nice. They're so supportive. It's insane. Oh my gosh. It's a completely different world. I've reached out to so many authors. Yeah. They realize there's no competition really between each other. You can only really help. Some of the people that I've reached out to are like number one best-selling authors and just sent an email thinking I'm never going to get a response. And they email me back and they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited for you and your journey. And, you know, because I learned from them, you yeah. know, and they know how hard it is. Some of them have been just so generous and willing to help me and just give me, even if they give me one little tip, it's like, oh, yeah. thank you. You know, a because nugget, like make sure they don't do nugget. this to you or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's amazing. Um, what, well, just how much like if you talk to somebody who's been through something and you talk to multiple people who've been through it, just how many little nuggets of wisdom you can get where you save yourself so much time and pain and money and all those things um, just by you know networking and just getting closer to the industry because there's so many things, you, everything, everything, you know, like how, how to make this, this, everything's yeah. got so many things to it that everything. you don't think about. And, and- Trust me, I, I was just telling a friend of mine, this is a good story because I was just telling a friend of mine who owns a business and we were, you know, I have people in my life that I keep in contact with and I, I mm-hmm. brainstorm with. And so I said, I never had any idea. I've always worked for a company or partnered with somebody that didn't require me to start the technical side of anything. Yeah. And so with my website and with my coaching business, I've had to learn so many things, just yeah. the technical behind the scenes stuff that nobody knows about. And mm-hmm. I said, I cannot believe I spent a whole day on trying to figure out how to link this, this, and that. And it took a whole day. How to, get, how to get your DNS working or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I took, it took a whole day and I said, yeah. I had no idea. I have so much more appreciation. And, and a and, lot of people think like, yeah, for IT or whatever problems, it's like, oh, just make a website. It's just easy. Just you just make a website. <laughs> I'm doing it all myself. And I'm like, you know, I have people that are helping me, but I mean, 
it's so much work. Like, yep. Not that I'm naive to this, but I never have been on this side of it. Everyone's and naive to it until you do it. Until you do it. Right. I mean, because yeah. you don't know how many steps there are to hook up a domain to a website or like <laughs> or like to then design the website <laughs> and then to promote it and the SEO and the meta tags and all the other bull that goes into it because you're like, ah. why is this important? Because a lot of times you don't see a lot of it. It's like the, the robots who run the search engines uh, need it, <laughs> but people don't think about it when you're doing it. It's, it's just a lot of work. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I'm just... Oh, it's, but it's to your point, the appreciation it brings for that, for people oh, who I do have it well. So much, I have so much, like when I look at other people's brands and I, now I understand. Yeah, that's why the authors are doing that with you. They're like, books are so tough to write. I'm so glad you're right. You know, they know that it, it takes a lot to get a whole book written and then get it out to the world. So they're probably like, yeah, let me help yeah. you. Cause I just do a little tiny bit of work and then <laughs> it helps you out immensely, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, in their mind. So where can people go to see where the what's the best places? There's DebraDriggs.com. That's the best place. I would say come to my website, www.debradriggs.com. Yeah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Yes. D-R-I-G-G-S. Thank you. Yeah. So come to my website. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. Come to my website because when you come to my website, all my links are there, all my links yes. to social media. You can sign up for my newsletter, which by the way, starting today, I have a free gift for all my subscribers who sign oh. up for my newsletter. So yeah, I, I decided to, I want to give something back to people that have stayed with me on the journey this whole year. I'm going to go sign like, up right now. Yes. You'll get a free gift. It's really fun too. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's fine. I don't, even, you, I don't even need the gift, but I never do these things just because I'm in the middle of it. And I have and I even I even took it a step further with the gift. I am giving people choices so they get to pick oh, their, their version of your own adventure like. gift. Yeah. So come to my website, sign up for my newsletter, receive a free gift. And then also you can sign up for a consultation if you're in search for, you know, you, you have a situation and you just want to see if we're a match to work with. I coach. Mm -hmm. So that's, I have a few In what specific and, realm? Well, I'm a life coach. So I, I, yeah. Healing. I coach on relationships. I coach on a life problem that people are having, trauma, addiction, whatever it is. So you can sign up for a consultation with me and coming soon, I'm going to be launching a 90 day program where I'm going to take probably no more than 20 people through 90 days of healing. So we'll mm. meet once a week for 12 weeks. And I will take people through pretty much exactly what I do on a daily basis. That's great. So yeah, that sounds awesome. So and that's through the same thing. They'll find out through the same newsletter, same yeah, so come to my website, all the information there. But if you really want to stay in touch with me and be on this journey and and know when the books are launching, sign mm -hmm. up for my newsletter. Perfect. Well, I, you should have gotten a thing saying I signed up. I don't know how much you get things like that. Or I do. I absolutely I heard, do. I heard I sound get, go off. I get, yes. And Does I get all my emails. So when people email me about a blog, I respond. I am, awesome. you know, I respond and say, thank you so much for reading. Or if they ask me a question or, you know, whatever. So that I do for free. Awesome. So, well, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the best thing. Cause it is nice to, I think, you know, listen, when I was going through my dark times, I was always 
searching for resources. I think you don't listen. I said I don't listen earlier. I said the point of doing the podcast is I'm shitty at listening. Uh, so <laughs> meaning, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> but yeah, so we we both overlooked that fact. But yeah, I I suck. I totally did anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I see. I'm not perfect. Things just. I'm trying to keep up. I really am. I haven't had I enough caffeine. My best not to do it. But a lot of people are just waiting for themselves to talk and like trying to think of what they're going to say next. So for them, no, I don't do that. <laughs> podcast. I try to be in the moment as much as possible. But thank you so much for joining and for being vulnerable and oh, sharing your story. You. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Ben. And I suggest everybody go to DebraDriggs.com and sign up just like I did for her uh, her newsletter. Yeah, and and their free gift. Yes, exactly. Hurry up Thank on that. You I don't so know much. when I'm releasing it, but hopefully it'll be before <laughs> the July book. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know when the gift comes out, but either way, I hope you're able to get it. And uh, yes, thank you. It's, you'll get it today. Yay. Awesome. I mean, it's not thank releasing you. today. They don't hear this today. <laughs> so I don't know how long you're doing it for. Is my point. <laughs> hey, guess what? Just sign up. Who Things cares? Are happening. It's a free gift somewhere. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.